Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. And as we take these next moments to pause for the lighting of the Advent candles, I would like to invite the very, very, very new Mr. and Mrs. John and Cordy Gentry to come and light our third Advent candle. You'll find the liturgy in your order of service. We'll sing together that uh, first uh, uh, verse, and then we'll sing it again at the end of the liturgy. this first candle on the Advent wreath, which is the candle of hope. We relight the second candle on the Advent wreath, which is the candle of peace, to remind us that Christ is the peace of the world. We now light this third candle on the Advent wreath to remind us that Christ is the love of the world, the love we find in Christmas that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to show us his tender compassion and love. And even as the angels from the realms of glory sang so long ago, ye who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. God's love has come into the world in a child born in a manger. We give thanks for the gift of God's love. The gospel of God's love has been announced to the world. Our hearts and spirits rejoice in the good news. At this time, I would like to invite Nancy Morvek to come forward to uh, share with us our mission moment for this month. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Dr. Thank you. Good morning. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Facebook, a social networking <clears throat> website that enables its users to keep in touch with family and friends. One of my Facebook friends is Jeff Falgeen. I think most of you know who Jeff is. Every week or so, Jeff post a message. It's a simple one. It simply says, God, please let me be the answer to someone's prayer today. Eleven little words that always capture my attention. Today I'm asking you to keep those words in your mind as I tell you about the Worldwide Fistula Fund, the December mission moment of the month. <clears throat> Now I could give you facts and figures about the organization, about the medical facilities and the network of volunteers and doctors and nurses who provide life-changing surgery that heals women of obstetric fistulas. I could tell you the history of the organization and how it's expanded to educate medical students and build hospitals in sub-Saharan Africa how it advocates for women and provides an education 
on fistula prevention. I could do all these things, but instead, I'm asking you to picture a young African-American, African woman who lives with pain, humiliation, and isolation 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. A young woman, <coughs> excuse me, a young woman who due to a traumatic injury associated with protracted labor during childbirth suffers from an obstetric fistula. A young woman who is not only incontinent but has been abandoned by her husband and is now an outcast in her community. A young woman who each day hopes and prays she will be healed. A young woman who thanks the Worldwide Fistula Fund can have life-changing surgery that will repair and heal her fistula. A young woman whose life will be restored, who will receive vocational training, who will rejoin her community and will return home for a fresh start. A young woman whose prayers have been answered. And so I come back to where I began, those 11 little words. Please, God, help me be the answer to someone's prayer today. And the good news is, you can do just that. By get, making a donation to the Worldwide Fistula Fund, you will enable young women to have life-changing surgery, which will heal their body and restore their dignity. Surgery that will indeed be an answer to a young woman's prayers. In your pew racks, you will find mission envelopes. I hope you will give generously, and I remind you that no gift is too small. Thank you for your attention, and thank you for your generous gifts. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. invite you to stand as we join together in our hymn of celebration number 220, Angels from the Realms of Glory.
17 away in the major. Take time to be in your presence, to rejoice and be still, to know that as we come into your presence, we lift up these concerns that weigh upon our hearts. For friends and loved ones who are sick, who are hurting, who have died, that we might come to you for peace and comfort, for healing touch, to know that you are a great healer that through your presence, through your continued blessings, we might find comfort and peace. And glorious God, with our concerns, we too lift up the joys to celebrate the gift of birthdays and anniversaries, of births and weddings and anniversaries and more. There's so much that life has to offer for which we can rejoice and be thankful. So on this day and in the season of Advent, as we think of all the things that we need to get done, may we take but a moment to just remember you, for it is in you that we celebrate this season and it is in you that we celebrate life. So we come now in silence into your presence. Merciful and holy God, we give you thanks that we might pray with and for one another, that we might continue to be a community and a family in ministry, not only on this corner, but in this community and around this world, as a community in faith, as a community in ministry, may we too remember that we are a worldwide church. So on this day, as we lift our voices in prayer, may we join the prayer that those around the world have prayed in every tongue and every nation, that we too might pray the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, taught. As we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into 
but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. time may the ushers come forward as we receive our gifts, tithes, and offerings. before thy altar, O God, we ask you will bless these, our gifts, that we might use them in this community and in this world for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen.
listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. May we affirm our faith and joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. John, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to, to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks as we gather together here today for the reading of your word. And in that reading, O God, we ask that you would inspire it to our hearts by your Holy Spirit present in this place today. We ask, O God, that you would take words that we have heard and words we have read and now bless them to our hearts as good seed that finds its way to good soil, digging these roots and bringing forth harvest, that this now the seed of the word of God will dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Have you noticed the new trend in movies these days? It used to be that uh, you would get movies in a series. So you would have Superman 1 and Superman 2 and Superman 3. And then we started naming movies like the series of Batman movies, such as Batman and Robin, The Dark, Shi the Dark Knight Rises, to the latest movie, Batman versus Superman, The Dawn of Justice. So we don't even know what follows what anymore. Then there was Star Wars. It used to be episode 1 and episode two, and episode three. And then they went to The Force Awakens, Attack of the Clones, or The Phantom Menace. And then, to make it even worse, they came the prequel series, which were attempts to go before the original movies to follow the characters when they were younger before they emerged as their adult characters. Yes, prequels are not sequels. They come not before, but they come after. All very interesting developments of plot and stretching out a series. Now, I must say that my all-time favorite series in movies has been Star Wars. I think every young man of my time was in love with Princess Leia. <laughs> and every young woman was in love with Han Solo. I really look forward recently seeing the last release of Star Wars and the one coming out very soon, Rogue One, a Star Wars story on December 16th, next week. Yeah. Is it Goodbye. <laughs> I thought it wasn't coming out to next week. A week early. You know, if we cut this short, you're going to know why. <laughs> but, now get this, there is even on the planning table, 40 years after the first Star movie came out, the Han Solo prequel that is coming out in 2018. May of 2018. <laughs> There's some sick people out there. <laughs> and so in the spirit of prequels, I am calling this sermon today a prequel. God doesn't make no junk the prequel. Now, I take the title of the sermon from a quote from Ethel Waters, who often sang in Billy Graham Crusades, who when was asked about life and our sinfulness and God's forgiveness, said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. <laughs> now, even I, in my English, had to clean it up and say God doesn't make no junk, and then I got a double negative anyway. But I'm quoting Ethel Waters. And what I want to do this morning is to give you the backstory for the Christmas story, the, the prequel, 
before the event of the birth of Jesus. Now, the scripture I have chosen is not a typical Christmas scripture. There is no mention of angels. You won't find any shepherds there. There are no kings. You'll find there no mention of a stable or taxes or a young couple on a donkey trying to find a place to give birth to their child. John 3.16 is perhaps, though, one of the most well-known passages of the New Testament, as well as one of the most profound incarnational scriptures of the Bible. Now, incarnation is simply a fancy theological word of the doctrine that God became human to dwell in our midst. In, in, incarnation like chili con carne, meet God in the flesh, God in human form, in the body of Jesus. But is not this the story of Christmas? That in a baby, as unbelievable as it was, God was coming to earth in flesh and would be the answer to the junk of our lives. How do you define the word junk? In our everyday world, the dictionary has several definitions. One, discarded material as metal, paper, or rags. Two, anything that is regarded as worthless, meaningless, or contentable. And three, trash. Now just look at the amount of junk and trash we humans create. Whole industries revolve around the fact that we manufacture junk. In fact, every week we have to have it hauled away from our houses as the trash cans fill up. And in this time of the year, couldn't you use about three more trash cans? Yes, but while there is the obvious environmental junk, there is also moral junk and spiritual junk too. In fact, we often junk ourselves and we can often treat others like junk. History has recorded how both the rich and the poor, the famous and the fabulous have turned themselves into junk. But I want you to hear the incarnational word of God today in Christmas. We are not junk though we may have junk in our lives. You see, there are those of us who have gone through situations in life where people who did not know our value used and abused us. Perhaps even as a child, someone planted these terrible seeds in your thoughts that you were worthless, that you were dumb, that you were stupid, or you wouldn't amount to anything. Perhaps there were people who took advantage of you. Or perhaps it was in a marriage and a spouse convinced you that you were ugly or worthless or of uh, no good to them at all. Now believe me, I've seen it, I've heard it. And people are hurting and some of you are hurting here today as well because somewhere along the road of life, someone told you that you were worthless. Someone said you weren't smart enough or good-looking enough or you're too fat or you're too thin or that you're lazy or a hundred other ways to deflate the worth and value of yourself. And the problem is, the problem is we believed it. And we have lived with the sense of not being worthwhile and it has affected our personal worthwhileness and it has affected our personal lives, our relationships with one another, but most importantly, our relationship with God. And these messages of inferiority have kept us from achieving the full potential and the promise that God has for our lives. And we have all had at times, haven't we, that, that voice inside. It's not an audible voice. Many times just a series of thoughts that go through our mind, especially when you stand in front of a mirror. The voice usually says something like, I'm too fat, or I'm too ugly, or I'm too old, or whatever it might be. Sometimes this voice talks to us all day long, tearing us down, waiting for someone to come along to reinforce that voice. Well, I'm here with a Christmas message for you today, folks. God don't make no junk. They were wrong. I mean, seriously wrong about you. And it is sad how people going through their own negative self-issues try to project those issues on others to make themselves feel better. It's also so sad that a person in trying to raise themselves up would put other people around beside them. And I have a problem with that. And so does God. 
Author and pastor Rick Ward of Saddleback Church said it so well. He said, God is love. He didn't need us, but he wanted us. And that is the most amazing thing. You see, we don't deserve it. And you can't earn it. Yet God freely gives it to us. Now think about this for a moment. The creator of the entire universe wanted you. The creator of all that is God Almighty loves you. In fact, he loved you so much that in the gift of Christmas, in a baby, in a manger, he sent the message to all the world how much we were loved. And that in the message of Easter, that in his sacrifice for us, that we could have forgiveness, we could have eternal life, and that we would never be separated from him. That says a whole lot about God and a whole lot about how we need to see one another and to see ourselves. Listen to me, my friends. This is good theology I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> and it is also good Wesleyan theology. Because we Methodists also believe in the prequel love of God. Now Wesley called this prevenient grace. Merriam-Webster defines the word as pre or prequel, meaning before, and lenient, meaning coming together. Thus, prevenient grace means a coming before, and theologically, for Wesley, means that God loved us even before we knew God did. For Wesley, it was the preventing grace of God's love to all of us to call us back into relationship. It was the call to prevent people from only going their way and to bring them back around to go God's way. That God calls us and loves us even when we're not aware of God's call. It is that quiet knock on the door of our hearts and lives, which when we finally open up, allows God to come in and show us God's love and forgiveness. This call comes from God by the Spirit, and it can be also nourished by the lives of others who strengthen us along the road of life. And I think of people in my own life who nourished and supported me by affirming my uniqueness and my gifts, even when they were just developing in me as a child. I remember pastors and Sunday school teachers and Sunday school uh, parents, and I can remember my family and my parents who said and showed me that I was worthwhile. I can still hear them saying, you're wonderful. You did well. We're proud of you. Do you know how I know that to be true? Because they said to me, God don't make no junk. No, not in those words. But in that exact understanding and meaning. They affirmed me and made me feel good about me. And I needed to hear that. In fact, we all need to hear that. Not only during your growing up times, every one of us here today needs to hear how much God values and loves us and thinks that we were worthwhile. We need to know that we weren't a mistake. We need to know that we are formed by the master. And to quote Ethel Waters again, God don't make no junk. We need to love ourselves, not in a self-absorbed, arrogant way, but rather in this, this grateful to God for creating us kind of way. It's a well-known fact that unless you truly love yourself, it is hard to love others or even to receive love from others. So it's time for us to love ourselves as God loves us. Now, I know this can be hard to do. If you've never felt very good about yourself, if you were raised in a home where love wasn't expressed or shown, you need to understand how much God loves you. God just flat loves you. Genesis 1.26 says we are made in the image of of God. Now, some scholars think it is more accurate to translate this as, let us make man as our image. But it's because of this that I can state confidently that no matter how worthless I might feel today, I am not junk. I can feel junky, 
but I'm not, and you are not. God is looking to you today, and he's saying, you are absolutely amazing. That God loves you so much. Not because we earned it, not because we paid for it, not because we could do it ourselves, but simply God, the creator of all, says you are. And if you are the image of God, we know that is not junk. Ethel Waters discovered that regardless of the circumstances of our lives, you and I are not just here taking up space. I want to share her story. Ethel Waters' birth was the result of the rape of her mother. She grew up in an extreme poverty and was married for the first time at the age of 12. While she was still attending convent school, at 13 she became a chambermaid in a Philadelphia hotel. And that same year she sang in public for the first time in a local nightclub. At 17, billing herself as Sweet Mama Stringbean, Ethel Waters began singing professionally in Baltimore, Maryland. It was there that she became the first black woman to sing the W.C. Handy classic St. Louis Blues on the stage. She became a professional singer and stage presence and was well-known all across the country. But it was in her later years that she frequently sang with the Billy Graham Crusades, and her signature song was, His Eye is on the Sparrow. I remember her singing that song in 1963 at the Los Angeles Coliseum, when I attended with what is still a Coliseum attendance record today, almost 135,000 people to hear Billy Graham preach. And the words of a song, which touched the lives of thousands that night and continue to do so, were these. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely? and long for heaven and home. When, when Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. He watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I never thought he watches me. When Ethel gave her testimony, she shared how God had always been with her. Yes, she had faced ups and downs and hardships, but she said God never let her down. You see, from our birth, God created us for a purpose. And one of the basic fundamentals of our praise and worship of God is our realization and acceptance of how wonderfully and how beautifully God has created us. How can you know for certain that you aren't an exception to the rule because God don't make no junk. Our value in God's eyes is based upon his creation of you and me prior to our arrival into this world and not based on the damaged goods that we can often collect in a lifetime of discouragement and carry over the course of our life in this world. Yes, we have junk in our lives, our sins, our shortcomings, our failures, our disappointments, but your value in God's sight has not changed from the moment he created you. He brings new life to these junkyards that we live in, and God took the junk of your life in Jesus Christ at a manger and sent his son to remove it. And what's left? A priceless soul, a priceless human being, a priceless gift from God. So you see, what makes you and me so valuable has nothing to do with us, our looks, our talents, our ability. The world has it all backwards. God doesn't love us because we're valuable. Rather, we are valuable simply because God loves us. And because God's love never changes, neither does our value. Our value doesn't change when we make mistakes. 
It doesn't change when we gain 20 pounds that we can't lose. It doesn't change because the people who used to be our friends are no longer our friends. It doesn't change because we've grown older and lost energy. You can feel stupid compared to your brothers or your sisters, your co-workers or a spouse. We may feel like we're dull or boring or out of step. It doesn't matter to God. And here's the key. We have to stop looking into the mirrors of our disappointments seeing the reflection of our mistakes, and instead fix our eyes upon Jesus. We have to look away from ourselves and what others may have said to us or done to us and accept what God says we truly are. And what God says to you is what counts. Your creator and maker, the entire judge of the world who made us, He is reaching out to you with a touch from heaven, which is the gift of Christmas. The Bible says in 1 John 4, This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his only and one son into the world that we might live through him. And 1 Peter 1.18 says, For you know that it is not the perishable things such as silver or gold that have redeemed you from the empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ. Yes, today, believe it, because God don't make no junk. Because why should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he? His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over you. Yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. But never use that scripture without verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. For God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. That's the best Christmas gift of all. Let's pray. Eternal God, We give you thanks for the gift of Christmas found in a baby, a gift that changes our whole perspective, a gift that allows us to see us as we were made by you, loved and worthwhile, full of value, and no matter the junky things that we can do or the junk we have in our lives, we're not junk. For Jesus came to show us the value you have placed upon our lives. And so this morning, O God, I pray for each one of us that this Christmas we might open the most precious gift of all, the gift of our value before you, as we've never known it before, because you've never, ever, O God, made any junk. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. May I invite you now to stand as we join in our hymn of dedication number 246. And this truly is the message, joy to the world, the Lord has come.
invite you to reach out and take a hand and I want you to turn to something around around you just now and would you just tell them you're beautiful (laughs) thank you Uh, (laughs) anybody get a date okay you are truly beautiful. You are too. God loves you. And you. Always remember it. Never forget it. As the choir brings us our choral benediction and I bring the blessing, leave here knowing how much God loves you. name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Be blessed, be in love with God, and let God love you. Amen. Please join us in Alton Hall. I'm getting over there before you do so I can get something to eat. (laughs) 